Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Brian's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 182. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. Uh, if you're keeping up with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus, you'll know that in episode two, they introduced the character Isaiah Bradley. Who is Isaiah Bradley? Great question. We answer it on our most recent classics. Who is Isaiah Bradley? Listen and be informed. Uh, plus, uh, Amazon Prime released the first three episodes of their TV adaptation of the comic Invincible. Um, and they've got new episodes coming out every Friday. We will, of course, have an extra issue at the end, but we won't be covering it every week. So, uh, you know, watch the show. And when that ends, we'll have something else for you to hear and get excited about. We'll be excited to hear you listen. Okay. This week, uh, we wanted to give out, uh, give a shout out to Transgender Day of Visibility. Uh, we're surprisingly already a third of the way through on Disney Plus's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We talked through this week's issues. Clark's got something. Watch out. And then a newsflash that's as delayed as the productions we're going to talk about. So let's talk about Transgender Day of Visibility. Um, I really like this uh, Lucasfilm's. Um, released a um, statement supporting Trans Day of Visibility. Um, it was a cover highlighting Turek and Soret, two of their trans non-binary Jedi, um, which are currently being featured in the Marvel, um, the High Council comic. Um, I liked it a lot. What did you guys think, Ryan? Uh, the, so the High Republic era is supposed to be this new era that's completely different. It's it's so obvious that they're definitely trying to uh, figure out how to incorporate the larger world that we currently live in within the Star Wars universe. And so I give them props first and foremost. Uh, with these two characters, it's just so exciting. Uh, a long time ago, homosexuality was not even a thing in the Star Wars universe. And now the fact that we have trans people on the cover and they got goddamn lightsabers. Like, this is a huge fucking thing. It's so, it's so exciting. The High Republic stuff is doing so much cool stuff. Uh, and truly going for diversity in such a different way than I ever thought the Star Wars universe would do. I, it, it's so exciting. Um, these two new characters seem super fun to up. So I'm, I'm excited to read more about them in the comic series that are coming up. Uh, which I know at some point we will be doing... A little bit of a deep dive both on like the novels and then also the comics that have come out uh during this high republic era which we are currently in kaylin what do you think so i i love this as well uh 100 in agreement with you and i don't want to turn into like own the cons kind of a guy but i kind of am excited excited to see like how absolutely the toxic fandom loses their collective minds in the same way when Rose was introduced in The Last Jedi and like you had assholes like Ethan Van Skyver cutting up her action figure and all that. So I'm really glad that Marvel's doing this for Star Wars. I really want them to do that for the X books, which we can talk about a little bit, but I know Ryan, you want to make a quick point here. Yeah, it's um, I, I don't think they'll come for it as hard because I think traditionally queer uh, readers of comic books and just books in general are a little bit more accepting of diversity in a lot of different ways, trans uh, trans rights just being one of them. So I'm, I'm hopeful, and this is just me being an optimist, 
that they're not going to go down that path the same way that they did with Rose, which literally there's no problem to have with Rose. But like, I, I, I just know a lot of the movie watchers aren't going to be reading this stuff. So I'm just hopeful in general. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm scared though, Caitlin. <laughs> it's not fun. Uh, Clark. Do you think um, Mystique and copycat and stuff kind of hamper the trans characters in the X-Men? I mean, like in, in like a very strange, overly broad sense, just changing genders, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously totally different, but do is, is that something that's so uh, mystique so iconic that someone could be distracted by that i don't necessarily think so ryan speak on it i'm sorry no no no. yeah no you can go caitlin what were you gonna say yeah yeah i don't i don't think i don't think so i think um x fans i think view even though mystique can turn into anyone male female whomever um i think they generally view her through the lens of her sexual orientation her being a lesbian, her being okay. involved with, with with destiny. So I think that's the lens that like is viewed there. But I think there, while there are a couple of trans X characters out there, they're very much in the background. Uh, I do think that there is a good opportunity, especially with the whole like resurrection protocols of like being able to figure out a way to bring that in. Clark. Cause I remember a uh, terrible character, but Claremont's um, exiles, there was a, um character named raven darkholm who yeah. who chose to be a male character i mean male um primarily unless he was doing some shape-shifting stuff but that i don't know i just didn't I, know i could be wrong sort of i could be wrong made. but doesn't doesn't that fit more into like a non-binary sort of yeah uh work like uh, so i think but she would probably identify as that uh but maybe, i i could be I completely know. wrong i haven't asked her <laughs> yeah let's get her on the line let's get and we actually have a caller coming in <laughs> rebecca romaine stamos and also get, jennifer right. lawrence it's both of them uh well we definitely uh we're happy with lucas uh well it's really marvel's choice to do this um and we hope that more trans characters are included because i think that someone like mystique you know has already had a mentoring kind of role but for her to have a mentoring role for different trans non-binary characters that uh, that would be a really great way to push her character in new directions and explore more of the personality that I think um, all of us love about her. All right, um, so moving on. Uh, in, we've gotten the next episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's titled The Star-Spangled Man. In it, uh, Sam and Bucky take on some super soldiers and more importantly, their emotions. We get our first glimpse into the damaged bottom mind of John Walker, a.k.a. the new Captain America. And we learn that the U.S. government has a, has had a super soldier program after Cap that specifically experimented on Isaiah Bradley, a black male whose heroics were concealed and himself imprisoned and then further experimented on. So I want to start. What are your general thoughts about this episode? Taylor. Um, I am an absolute love with the show um it is just like i love the first episode and i love the second episode even more because i think it's doing a really nice job of mining the comic history uh in, in a really great way and it's also finding i think the right actors to fill the roles like uh with john walker um my god they found the perfect guy who's trying real hard to be the ah shucks i'm just trying to do my best to you better fucking do it my way or the highway. Like, like that turn that he had in this episode was really good. 
And I can't say enough about seeing, like one, I love Carl Lumley, loved him in Alias, loved him as the voice of John Johns, AKA the Martian Manhunter in the Justice League cartoon in the early 2000s. Like seeing him as Isaiah Bradley, God, I just geeked the fuck out. Um, it's, this is a smart show. It's not perfect. It definitely has, you know, a few, uh, a few flaws here and there, but overall it's just, it's getting the characters right. It's getting the story right. And I'm really excited to see what happens next. This, uh, this episode made me, taught me basically that, uh, Wyatt Russell is Kurt Russell's son. And, um, <laughs> I Were you was shook? a little bit because, now Marvel movies have been around so long that there are going to be generations of actor families who are going to be like, my dad was a Marvel Cinematic Universe actor. Uh, his dad was a Cinematic Universe actor. We come from a long line of superhero movies. Um, and I thought that was uh, I, a weird, delightful thing. Plus, learning that Wyatt Russell's first audition was for the role of Captain America, which he lost to Chris Evans. I didn't right. know that. That's that's actually funny because that that, that fuels even more hate as him as you say. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. that's kind of perfection actually in a real note. But um, I I like okay so uh, obviously the interaction uh, with the police and then Falcon uh, is a subject that people are talking about right now. Um, I I do have to just give kudos to Marvel because I didn't really think they would on some level even go there so it they, they do tend to play it safe and they are literally when you describe something you if it's too perfect or too a storybook you call it disney so i'm giving them a little bit of credit for actually have opening a little bit of a discussion could they have gone further absolutely and we will demand it in the future because we are fans but I, I'm happy for what they did in terms of opening a window to it. It was a nice, it was a nice little discussion. And even if it's like a little blip, I, I'm happy for it. Clark. Uh, general Kalen, thought, okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I think they went as far as Disney on Disney Plus could. They they're giving us all the material. They're just not telling us what the material is because we know what it is based on real life. And so their emotional weight is not given by the show itself. <laughs> but by the real world aspects of what the show is showing. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with Clark. Um, and I think phase four, knowing like what's coming up, like Shang-Chi, Ms. Marvel, uh, they're going to really kind of focus in on the, the diaspora of like the diversity in the Marvel universe. And like, you know, it'll be, it'll be a backdrop. It won't be the central point. Like, you know, the whole idea of the cops coming up, you know, clearly, like, I'm sure y'all felt this way. I know I, uh, like, you know, gasped a little bit, just wondering what was going to happen next, knowing, you know, what's happened in the real world over the last several, several years. But, like, acknowledging that, you know, when there is a Black man and a white man having an argument in the street and cops come up, the cops are, you know, very likely going to say, you know, to be accusatory to the Black man. And, like, them just kind of, like, having that moment I, I like that they did it. So Ryan, I, I appreciate what you said. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not like what we would see in an HBO Max show. It's not what we would see, you know, by uh, by something that's like an Oscar film. But like, uh, it's definitely something that um, I welcomed in 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 the show. Brent. So the episode also gave us a few more pieces of the 
um, the I think the racial narrative that they're starting to thread. Um, one of which is the introduction of Isaiah Bradley, who in this iteration was a post Captain America, Captain America, who was going around being um, a tool of the government and then imprisoned. Um, they had the quick joke of Falcon being called by some people Black Falcon, which is a kind of hangover from how many comics would care, call their characters Black something just mm -hmm. because they were Black. Um, and then also the, um, the way that um, uh, the new Captain America kind of referred to Sam Wilson as being Captain America's sidekick, you know, given that he is now taking over the role and just wants an additional black sidekick. Um, how do you guys think these, the show is going to handle these kind of things? Um, you know, where can this really go wrong? Caitlin? I, so I'm going to be optimistic and I think the show so far has handled them pretty well. Um, one, I talked about how much I love Carl Lumbly. You don't cast someone like Carl Lumbly unless you're going to bring them back in some kind of a pivotal role, even if he's not on screen very much. Um, having, you know, you referenced that we did a class X on who is Isaiah Bradley by reading Truth, uh, Red, White, and Black, a comic published in the early 2000s. I felt like his introduction in the MCU was stronger than what was in the comic itself. And there's the one line, I rewatched the episode today, there's the one line when you see uh, Isaiah uh, getting angrier and angrier in his house and he tells Bucky, it's like, um, you know, you should know better that by now, like there isn't, we don't get the same kind of treatment as other folks. And then he goes, oh, maybe you don't know that. Maybe it's different for you. And it clearly, it's like, it tells me everything I needed to know in that scene without being um, overt or like hitting me over the head with it. Uh, and one, one more thing I'll just quickly mention since you mentioned uh, John Walker, just really quickly in the comics, uh, they, uh, his, his sidekick, uh, Battlestar, originally went as Bucky because he was you know, trying to remember, uh, mimic the original Bucky. Uh, but Mark Grunewald, who was a writer at the time, was told by a black writer whose name is escaping me at this, at this moment that um, the term Buck or Bucky is seen as a slur for black young men. And so he learned that and he, like, he made the change in the comic and he addressed it in the comic. And this happened in the late 1980s. So like, I just want to acknowledge that Marvel and Mark Grunewald really did the right thing when they learned new information. Clark? Um, I actually wanted to touch on Battlestar myself. Um, I'm, I thought he would be like a one second character, you know, just like Marvel popped him in for a quickie. And he's been in so much of it. I'm very surprised, impressed, interested in the fact that like, I mean, this Captain America already has a black psychic who is not a psychic. He's his own person. And just the dichotomy between them and then kind of the reverse of Falcon, you know, uh, Captain America ish at the moment. Um, and then Bucky as his kind of psychic is just an interesting switch over that I really like. And I hope he doesn't get murdered. Battlestar. Me too. Know. That's the main thing. I mean, with the way that, uh, Wyatt Russell was just firing that handgun at people on the train on the uh, on those trucks. I'm like, he is going to shoot his friend. You I was not. so I I gasped when he shot that gun. I was like, oh my god, calm down. I was freaking out. Meanwhile, Black Widow shoots everyone in the fucking head, but like him, I was like, how dare you, it Ryan? Was Ryan, do you think if you saw eight people, super soldiers, fighting on the top 
of two trucks on a highway and you're driving your little Toyota Camry, would you follow up behind those trucks as closely as possible <laughs> just in case someone falls off and you need to catch them on your windshield? Yes. Um, it's actually a Mercury Capri, but yes, I would do that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, to add back onto uh, Kaylin's point, I did think it was an interesting thing um, that Bucky, they mentioned that Bucky was pardoned for what he had done in Endgame and that we get Isaiah Bradley as a contrast that he was imprisoned for 30 years. Um, yeah. Clark. Uh, um, I was going to comment on one thing Kaylin said, the fact that Winter Soldier doesn't know or Bucky does not know about what African-Americans have gone through because literally well, he's been on ice for what, 50 years, 40 yeah. years in, in Russia or you know, doing some assassination and going right back into deep freeze. So he doesn't know what's been going on since the 50s, since the Korean War since before that, since the fucking 40s. The fucking 40s. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like, uh, they. I think they did a really nice job of reminding us uh, when Sam goes to him, like, how do you know about Gandalf? And he goes, well, I read The Hobbit mm-hmm. in 1937 when it was when it came out. I was like, yeah, great, <laughs> great, great fucking yeah. line. Great. That was so I mean, good. The, humor, the humor works so well. The, the two leads have a ton of chemistry. So much that, like, can you can y'all just fuck already? Like, just fuck. Uh, so many compliments, blah, blah, blah. It's a good series. Um, I don't need their therapy session. I'm sorry, girls. Like, I don't need to see that. Like, I don't but care, really. You Come didn't on. like You didn't like them putting their thighs together? No. I don't like gay stuff. You know that. Oh. <laughs> you right. love gay stuff. You don't like it. You love it. Love it. Clark. What do people think about like the flag sm- flag smashers? They, 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 they're kind of a little more um, not villainous as what we would expect. Not at all. Well, in this episode, we got a little bit more of their plan, which is to set things to how they were before the blip. Um, and they also mentioned that they're being followed by the power broker who in the comics, you know, was able to give people superpowers. Mm-hmm. One of them was actually John Walker. Um, kind of dovetailing Clark's question, what do you guys think of, you know, their plan might be? Where do you think those threads might go? Uh, hey, Kaylin. Um, one, can I just ask a rhetorical question? Does the girl with the freckles have to be a rebel leader in every genre thing ever? Because she was in Solo as well as the head of the, the proto-rebellion. Yes, so that's my rhetorical she does. question. Freckles yeah, are okay. gloriously rebellious. Same girl. Okay. Freckles same, are same. always rebellious. So yes, she does. That, Every single that time. They are, that they are. Um, I like the nuance of the Flag Smashers. Like, clearly they are, um, they're not completely heroic. They're not completely villainous. Well, the Flag Smasher in the comics is a character who leads a group called Ultimatum, which is an acronym unto itself. Don't ask me to spell it out. Um, but like it was like Mark Grunewald's way of showing that there was a wide political spectrum of like bad guys out there from all the way from the far left to the far right. Uh, even though he was ostensibly kind of a center left liberal. Um, these guys, I like the, their, their, their motivation is like, they felt that the borders were a lot more porous during the, during the time of the blip when there were a lot fewer people you know, like things like immigration may not have as been a big an issue 
or, or uh, you know, being able to like, you know, be a refugee from one country to another. Resources may not have been as scarce, uh, for example. Uh, and then like when everything, when everybody came back, uh, then everybody went into hyper-nationalist mode. So I kind of like their motivation. I like that there's another player out there that may be even more villainous than them. I like the fact that, I mean, there are some people that probably five years before were in power, power. and then vanished. Whoa. Um, and then <laughs> vanished. Whoa. And so now they suddenly show back up again and they're in power again. You know, like, like how does that work? They're the ones who suddenly are in control. And, you know, how does that cause this hyper-nationalism that's going on? Yeah. What, one quick thing. Every time you introduce a villain, it's the villain of the series, and then you have a scene where they're fleeing from someone and they're scared. Um, spoilers, that's a bigger villain and there's a bigger one coming. So, like, it's such an obvious thing that they are not the evil people that it's going to be. Even if I didn't read the comics and I didn't know what was coming a little bit, like, you would sort of know. Like, it, there's someone bigger out there. Brent. I think um, the story is building a lot better the idea that, you know, more people, there's going to be a lot more supers. There are super soldiers. It's possible for you as an adult to get these powers. Um, then I think maybe WandaVision did with the microwaves that you just walk through and suddenly you have like different colors of your eyes. Um, because I think <laughs> this, might be, this would be a good way to make, um, you know, US agent actually superpowered to make the Falcon or the new Captain America actually superpowered without it being like a little too ridiculous. Clark. Now, Ryan, you said that that they're definitely gonna be good and there's gonna be a big, bigger, big bad. Lest we forget um, Agatha Harkness and just That's the true. fact that like we are waiting on anything and we got nothing else. I, have you not, not read my blog post that Mephisto is the real villain of Falcon and Winter Soldier? Did you see? <laughs> He's did there you see, somewhere. You Maybe that's the, just little Nas X. Uh, the memes. <laughs> yeah. The memes. You saw the memes going around of Don Cheadle kind of furrowing his eyebrows uh, while Sam was talking, and they his eyebrows make an M, and people are like, "The M means Mephisto." <laughs> Mephisto no, on their mask. Everyone right. knows. Amazing. Amazing. Right, wrapping up real quick. Uh, which do you prefer? John Walker shaved or unshaved? Unshaved. Everything unshaved. unshaved. Yeah. So, so, grow a beard. He needs it. He looks so bad shaved. All right. I think we're all in agreement. Unshaved. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get the issues. Kalen. Sure. So we had three issues this week. Uh, Beta Ray Bill number one, which is the start of a miniseries. And then two X-Books, X-Men number 19, X-Men Legends number two. We'll talk quickly about uh, Beta Ray Bill number one, which is uh, written and illustrated by Daniel Warren Johnson, who um, is just doing stellar, stellar work. He's done uh, some stuff for DC, including a Wonder Woman kind of apocalyptic tale, uh, the subtitle of which I can't remember. The thing I was actually very surprised by that this is in continuity. I wasn't paying attention to the solicitations. I was expecting its own kind of thing, but it's so in continuity that it came out just a little too early because it references stuff in the current Thor storyline, Prey, that hasn't come to fruition yet. Because remember, there's one more issue of, of Prey and Thor. So um, I generally like the issue. I love Beta Ray Bill. Uh, I liked that we see a different side of him 
uh, where um, he's despondent that he doesn't have Stormbreaker and can't uh, return to his human form. But I know we're going to talk about this a little more. I think there was some mischaracterization with Sif, who is, you know, off again, on again, lover. And like when they are about to get intimate and she's like, well, can you turn back to your humanoid form there, big boy? And he can't. And then she like freaks out. I'm like, you're literally a god. Like deal with your, just deal with it. Like, you know, he's still, he may have a horse face, but he's still hot. Right. Sarah so Jessica it, Parker. It's Brandon, only you relative- are related to Sif? No. Okay, let me go into Sif then, please. Um, I, was, I was digging into old Sif it up. Uh, that sounds awful, like syphilis. Anyways, um, I was digging into old issues. I uh, was looking at Journey into Mystery, the Catherine Eminem ones with Sif was the, um, the lead. And weirdly, at the time, the only female-led series in like 2013. Um, and I mean, it was totally different she's flirting like crazy with him in horse form there this weird weird will they won't they is going on sif broke up with thor to date beta ray bill in the 80s or whenever like when he was first introduced like this is not new shit she should not be surprised in any of this stuff it pissed me off so hard i was like what what's going on like when it right at the beginning when they were flirting and they were gonna go back to the bedroom I was like yes at least he has sif you know and then like, oh, no, it's just being totally written very poorly. He still has abs and a horse dick. Yeah, I know. Who so, cares? I mean, his mouth, his mouth's a little that, longer. Who cares? Uh, I did not know that, uh, you know, until relatively recently that Beta Ray's Bill's face was not his normal face. And he looks so much stupider without uh-huh. the horse face. I think we've all hooked up with someone who has a better body than face like uh-huh. get over it sif he is jacked he's yeah. jacked to the fucking tits bone it you know bag it tag it fag it come on <laughs> ryan it's uh yeah i he's great i i sort of love this issue because it's uh it kind of reminds me of like uh when i first started reading like back in the day like old issues of like uh, Fantastic Four, where the thing was just so uncomfortable in his own body, and he was like, just could not make peace with it. And then when he found people that loved him and whatever, there was still these like hurdles he had to go through a lot of times. So it, it, it brought me back to that a lot. Uh, I, with that all said, I don't know why she didn't do it because he was still looking pretty great. And I and I'm sort of mad at Thor, but this is truly how he would react. Just being like, what am I supposed to do about it? I'm just, you know, I'm just hot. And you're like, well, fuck <laughs> off for a little bit. You know he's what I mean? Rocky Thor- Balboa for some reason. <laughs> he was yeah. Hey, hey, he's from, Bo- <laughs> like, yeah, he's from Asgard, Boston. Yeah. But like, it, you're just like, you're sort of just, just like Rocky from Boston, <laughs> famously from Boston, Rocky. You know him, you know, him. <laughs> I was doing a Boston accent. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, I also like the inclusion of Fing Fang Foom. Uh, yes. I just, was, it, yeah. He weirdly had, I, I thought, you know, most of the other characters who have, you know, been succumbed to the King in Black don't really speak as much. Um, but I like that they still gave him a personality and it's just as much of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. All right. Uh, so moving on, uh, X-Men number 19 by Jonathan Hickman and Mahomad Asrar. This is uh, a welcoming continuation of the last issue. And before we get into it, I just want to do a quick plug for our very first Class X episode, 
uh, Who Are the Children of the Vault. Uh, take a listen to that if you haven't already, if you're wondering who these very weird, powerful characters are. Uh, but I really dug this issue. This definitely felt a lot like um, some sci-fi sci tropes that we've definitely seen before in comics and in other media. Uh, but um, the, uh, the, uh, the way that Sync was written and his like commitment and love for Laura was just so fucking cool. It was just a nice mix of sci-fi and like personality and heart. And I also love that they're setting up like the children to be mega, 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 mega villains. So it's like this, even though the next issue, which we'll get into in a second, isn't going to continue the storyline, it is setting something up for a little bit into the future. Ryan? Uh, I, I I really love this issue. It's so cool. Um, you don't expect Sync and uh, Laura to become a couple in any sort of way. Um, and for the fact that there's like a weird ray of hope with their relationship is, is so interesting. It's um, it, it still brings me back to when Hickman was first talking about like what this new run of all his stories would be. And he was saying like, we're going to have so much more romance. We're going to have relationships that we never saw before. Um, other than the, uh, the, the polygamy that all the summers are fucking everyone. Like, other than that, we haven't seen much relationship. So it's so nice to like see one form in such a weird, unique, unique way. Cause you know, they have to call back to this at some point, but it's, it was so, so refreshing. And just to basically have a sync one shot was just so fun to have. And like a part of the greater world. And you could literally do a bunch of mini series, a whole series just based on this timeline alone. It's, it's just such a great issue. It's so fun. Clark. This issue had way too many infographic pages that were like the timeline of each person, but like they, they, it was just fucking ugly as shit. And it, I don't know, it went up instead of down. The whole thing was confusing. It went up instead of down. That's you know, like instead of going chronologically like down the page, it went up the page, I think. Sometimes I was, it did, yeah. It was, I was, was so was bewildered kind of by it. I had to read it like 12 times to understand each one of those things. Or and just I do still, a normal timeline where it's like. Yeah, just give me. Horizontal. <laughs> it was very frustrating. But I guess it makes sense because they didn't want you to be totally, wanted you to be surprised by later parts of it, but. But, but don't no, you think it was that because it was just still a moment in time in terms of the Krakoa sort of timeline? So it went up and down rather than left and right? It was not an interesting good. idea. It was I mean, not good. Uh, I, I don't know, because for me, it didn't seem like there was uh, so much content there that I really had to care about that I was like deeply distressed by its structure. I just kind of read it all as just like a, a bunch of events that kind of happened and was much more focused on like, oh, I can really, I can pick up pretty quickly where the story is now. Kaylin. Yeah, I would have been much more frustrated if um, they had had so much in the infographics and they did have quite a bit of content, but weren't showing enough in the actual comic. But I was getting enough from the comic itself. And um, I know we're doing a better job of talking more about the art uh, in comics, uh, I think Mahmoud Asrar is great. Uh, he's not mm -hmm. as flashy as some of the other artists uh, on the X titles right now, but he's an excellent storyteller. I knew exactly who the characters were. I knew exactly what the setting was. I knew exactly what the action was, uh, which is exactly what you need for a comic to be able to convey that information through art. Clark? I thought we were, I, I felt like the romance wasn't enough for me. I wanted more of it. 
it, okay. it, it felt very cursory and I didn't even really think about like, uh, I don't know. They only like dealt with each other for like two pages in any sort of romantic way. I was reading, well, CBR had like a, you know, thing that's clickbaity, but at the same time kind of spoily where it said like the heartbreaking ending to X-Men ish issue, whatever. And I were accidentally saw that first and I looked at it. I was like, this is not heartbreaking. I mean, it's kind of mildly heartwarming at the end, but also it, their relationship wasn't shown enough to be strong enough for me to be upset if it had ended like that. I, I kind of thought of the, cause I did not read that. If, it would have annoyed me a lot more if I had read that before. The way I, you know, read the issue was as a sci-fi kind of story and the romance was like a little bit of a seasoning. And so at the end, you kind of get this very nice moment where he looks at Laura and then thinks about all the things that they've experienced together and how it's different to experience them together and then to just remember them. Um, But that there's like the potential for that to go further in the future. So to me, it was like, this is like a weird 500 year long meet cute. (laughs) Right. Yours doesn't, right? Um, I, uh, to Kaylin's point, the art's really great. I like the character designs. I like that they basically created these five characters or how many characters so many different times. And you got to see their literal evolution. And also with the X-Men too, they literally evolved while they were in there as well. It's just really cool. Yeah, for sure. Serafina is such a downgrade as she goes along. Oh my God. Each one is worse than the last depressing um so darwin what's up he did fuck all and then was atomized that poor guy yeah I, he was literally a plot device yeah he, like he, he was, was not in, like yeah yeah go ahead so bad no he was in that movie first class and then he gets atomized like he cannot catch a break remember how he died then that was awful so i mean he's not up. dead because it's him but at some point he'll show back up somewhere i don't know just seemed yeah. kind of lame. Well, um, so X-Men number 20, the next issue, which uh, you might have seen solicitations, has Nimrod on the cover. It has been delayed by a few weeks. Um, there was not going to be a, uh, an issue of X-Men in April. This was supposed to come out in uh, early, early to mid-May. It's now coming out in very late May, right before the Hellfire Gala stuff comes out. So we're going to go a full two months without seeing another X-Men issue. Um, but I feel like this is the one book that comes out on a monthly basis, whereas the other books come out like bi-weekly. So <laughs> you know what? I can be patient. I'm fine as yeah. long as I get my Hellions, I get my Marauders, mm-hmm. I get my Sword. I'm good. I'm good. So moving on to um, X-Men Legends number two. It's the second part of the inaugural storyline for this new new title. It's by Fabian Nicieza and Brett Booth. It finally answers the question of, who is the parent of Adam X? And the answer is, I don't really care. Um, it was basically uh, Scott and Alex's mom is his mother. So uh, Adam X is the half brother and his dad is some manifestation of the Ken from the Shi'ar. It's fine. It's, a, it's an enjoyable issue because Fabian Nicieza is a talented writer. He hasn't lost his touch from the 90s and the aughts. Brett Booth's art, even though Brett Booth is a piece of shit, his art actually looks pretty nice in this book. But it's a lot of, hmm, okay, whatever. Ryan? It's, yeah, completely agree. As soon as they revealed how he was related, I was like, well, now I'm done with the issue. Oh, it's not over? Okay, well, this is weird now. <laughs> it's, and I'm like, why am I still reading this? 
And then, and then let's wrap it up with some mind control, just so it's cliche at the end. But to be fair, this really does feel like uh, X Men comic from back in the day because they would throw they would throw some issues out like this where you're like a little mm-hmm. bit frustrated with the basicness of it all. Yeah. Clark, what you Clark? think? I, I feel this. I, I'm this could have been a complete garbage issue, but I would have liked it just because I like completion i like uh, i like um i like the fact that we knew that we knew every single bit of this we they, they already had basically told us you know Catherine summers blah 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 blah, and you can but i mean now that it's official at some point they could easily bring it up if they want to i'm happy that that's the case i i mean it, it's a good enough issue but it's you know add in the extreme is a lame motherfucker so it can't be right Brett I just want to say Adam X dressed as Shredder makes me so fucking annoyed because (laughs) normally it wouldn't be a problem look it's just a dumb costume whatever but like if you've ever made a costume for like Halloween that has extensions or parts on it that can hit stuff you have to be constantly careful that you're striking things and I wouldn't bring it up, except there's one scene where he literally grabs someone around their neck. And I'm like, you're going to slash that person's throat, bitch. Like, that's one of your allies. What the fuck are you doing? Hide your claws. You know, get control of your outfit. It's just ridiculous in 90s. Kalen. So the costume annoyed you, but his white boy dreads didn't annoy you. That's the worst part of his look. That's I, utter fucking, like, you know... Spaghetti, spaghetti incident, fish following nonsense, just ugh, fucking jam band listening, awful, awful. It it really is an eighties hair band of triangles, like it is just garbage. What a stupid haircut! I hate him. So, so uh, before we go into our next segment, which is related to this issue, I just want to say the next issue of X Men Legends uh, reunites Louise and Walt Simonson, who are a husband and wife uh, pair. Uh, they did X Factor back in the late 80s, introducing Apocalypse and Archangel. Very excited to see them uh, tackle this team and, and, and the storyline again. But the big thing that was at the back of this issue, which is somewhat controversial, very controversial, was the Summers family tree, which is a bit of a mess. And so I'm going to turn it over to Clark because I think he's got something here. Yeah. Um, Kaylin, do you have it up in front of you? Um, I have it, but I don't have the page numbers on it. Uh, I do. Was- I do. Is- it is page 21 on Comixology. All right, folks. Page 21 on Comixology. I don't know what it is in the regular comics. It's, there's going to be ads and shit. It's always um, page 21 on Comixology. Oh, okay. Even in, re- even in real life. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. All right. So I am not in love with this um, family tree they show. They, they say it's, you know, hard to keep all the Summerses, Summerses, that's a great one, straight. So we wanted to share a more detailed family tree, and it is fucking hideous. I believe the plural yes. is summarize. Anyways. Summarize. Like, <laughs> the worst is we got Cyclops, you know, big old square, and then we've got lines going underneath three different women in order to get to, white, uh, to Emma Frost so that they could have a child. It is... Yeah bewildering and then cyclops has to go through Jean gray in order to get the goblin queen it's fucking awful also i don't need john gray and e- elaine gray there that doesn't matter hepzibah is not even married to corsair who gives a shit 
I mean, I mean, I like her, but no, 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 no. All right. Anyway, so I'm going to go through mine. Oh, great. And, um, Caitlin, did are we going to? Did you do an infographic for us that we can yeah, post? Yeah, I, I took I, I took uh, a picture and sent it to our group chat right now. And, and we, we will post, post it. Instagram. We will post it when uh, we will post it. Yes, on okay. Instagram, well, Twitter. People, pause for a minute and go on Instagram and look at it while you're listening to this. Um, uh, sorry, the lines aren't exactly perfect. Some things are slightly angled down. Hopefully, it didn't spell anything wrong. So basically, what is going on with this mess that they gave us? They have all the like different colors. The lines are going everywhere trying to explain who's from the future, who's from a, you know, alternate realities, blah, 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 which doesn't really explain it properly. So I'm going to do it. I'm starting with the easy stuff and then I'm going to go confusing with, you know, Cyclops, his alternate everything. Um, we're starting off exactly how they do with Philip Summers and Deborah Summers having Corsair. Corsair marries Catherine Summers and they have Cyclops, Havoc and Vulcan. And Catherine Summers and Deacon have their weird baby through maybe like, you know, something inside of her. But all, I don't even know what the hell they did with that. Um, and that's add in the extreme. So, you know, that, those, those are the easy ways. So I'm going to start now. Like everyone got that. We're good. I'm going to start the oh. easier version of, of the three Summers brothers. And they so basically they missed a lot of characters. They just kind of either have ignored them, retconned them out of existence, etc. But they fucking happened. All we'll right, so Vulcan. Space. <laughs> Vulcan in um, Rise and Fall of Shi'ar Empire ended up marrying Deathbird. They had a child. And we don't know what happened to it. I just wrote unknown here. We don't know if it's dead. We know Deathbird was hugely pregnant at one point, I think, in... Um, I don't really remember what that series was. Anyways, Clark, a different one. Clark, was its name Baby Jane? No, just unknown. You'll you'll get no, another but, thing. You'll, you'll yeah, get something kind of like that later. Yeah, what nope. the hell happened to Baby Jane? <laughs> she got all <laughs> fucked up and started singing a song to her father, who's dead. All right. Anyway, so Vulcan, Deathbird, unknown. Done with Vulcan. Pass him over. Now we're going to get um, to Havoc, which on their infographic thing is just Havoc's just sitting there. That is not the fucking case. So number one, we hate this, but Uncanny Avengers, as we went along, the Apocalypse Twins, blah, 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 blah. They aged into the future. Havoc and Wasp had a child, Catherine Summers. This is the, and I'm going to start going purposely, instead of saying alternate universe, blah, 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 I'm going to say just literally the number. Um, so ours is 616. This was, um, once, it was once it was removed from existence, it went back in time, blah, blah, blah. And Catherine Summers no longer exists. That timeline is now 13133. So she exists, just not in that timeline, alternate reality, timeline, body, like what we're dealing with all these other ones, but they just didn't want to use it. All right. Meanwhile, you know how Havoc died, but then he didn't die and he went to the Mutant X timeline yep. and took over the body of um, their Havoc who died. Well, he was, married to, he was married to Goblin Queen. And they had a child named Scotty Summers. So there's another Ugh. child they didn't put in there. Um, and the Mutant X timeline is um, 1298. So I put the numbers there. And now we go to Cyclops. I have not dealt purposely. I did not connect Cyclops and Jean Grey up yet. Just because she was dead. 
they're they're divorced at the moment and they never had a child. So you'll I'll get back to her later. Easy way, Cyclops, and this confused me, and I think this might con confuse a couple people. Um, Cyclops and Emma had a child, Ruby Summers, in the future in X Factor. Yes, which, I love according, her. According to X Factor, that was the real future because of Layla using doom locks and being able to go right to the correct time, and all of that really happened, but I guess they just retconned that to being, now it's... Um, 1191 is the universe number but in this infographic they have cyclops isn't um that cyclops isn't alternate reality but emma and ruby are yeah. which is confusing so i didn't know i just kind of kept that as it was because i, I guess there's some sort of way to explain that it was very strange but whatever cyclops was cyclops supposedly all right now we're over to cyclops and madeline Pryor. Um, I mean, we know this one, Jean Grey. I have a little squiggly line whenever anybody's um, a clone. So Jean Grey squiggled down to Madeline Pryor. But Madeline Pryor and Cyclops had Cable. Clearly, we know that. And Cable up in his future, um, which now is the timeline 4935, um, reality 4935. Um, Cable and Aaliyah Dayspring had um, Genesis as Tyler Dayspring, who is a complete piece of shit who's dead. Um, and then Cable obviously adopted Hope Summers. And then I have Cable with a little squiggle down to Strafe. So that's the family tree of anybody fully connected to 616. This is when I, I obviously. I now, have never wished Philip Summers was impotent more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know. G Jean Grey actually didn't fuck anyone, no. like, for a in child. This, in this and timeline, she is yeah. like, well, that's my child, that's my child, that one's that one, that one. And I'm like, she didn't do any of it, honestly. Eric, I'm going to three different um, alternate universes right now, but Kaylin, what's your... I was going to say, really quickly, if Brent could be a time traveler, he wouldn't kill Hitler, he would kill Philip Summers. Oh, my God. So quickly. You don't want all this. <laughs> all right, so we got the big ones. And literally, these three chunks... It literally has Cyclops gene, Cyclops gene, Cyclops gene, like matched up and they have children in each one, obviously. So we're obviously um, Age of Apocalypse, which is uh, universe 295, Cyclops and Gene, having never fucking met, their gene just gets shoved together, um, have X-Man. Um, and then X-Man goes into our universe, sleeps with this woman named Thrinati, who has some like weird death abilities. They have a child and they don't name the child. And it's fucking like a weird demon baby that she has to keep feeding death stuff to. And then that baby's supposedly dead now. So there was another child that didn't exist on this infographic. All right, this one, it gets confusing even more so because they straight up fucked up on this. So days of future past, as we know, Cyclops and Jean have Rachel Gray. That's 811. But they also have that Rachel Gray marrying franklin richards or getting with franklin richards and having a child hyperstorm that is not the case she does fall for him but they never have a child because a different one 967 rachel gray also the child of cyclops and gene she's the one who ends up sleeping with franklin richards and having a child named hyperstorm so they fucked up that hard i don't know why they just decided to mix the two up um, and then 
here's the weird. I mean, that's that's the family tree I have. The weird thing is that, and that Frank Lou Richards is six sixteen as well, because as we found out in Hickman's run of uh, Fantastic Four, Franklin Richards, there's only one of them. He's in every single universe. So basically, he is going around and fucking every single Rachel Gray from every single universe. She's hot. There's been at least, he's been at least three that I've noticed that he's serial <laughs> monogamous Franklin Richards. <laughs> very weird. Semi serial. He like yeah. de ages himself so he can sleep with her again and then ages again and goes back and forth. So, so sorry that was what, so long, but that was no, no, no. It, it's this is like like I mean this is why people are either X fans or they're not X fans. You're either into this or you're not. And what I'm what I'm if you're listening to this. We are going to compare the better tree that Clark created versus the inferior version that was in X-Men Legends number two. Um, like having the universe designations is so important, Clark. So I'm really glad you did that. Uh, I think showing all the parallel versions of Gene is super important. So uh, having like I was getting lost, even though I enjoyed looking at the one at the at the back of X-Men Legends, I was getting lost looking at all the, the various lines. Brent? In the same spirit of Clark trying to show X-Men Legends up by making a better family tree, if you, the listeners, can come up with a better Summer's family tree than Clark, show Dude. him up. <laughs> you send it you to can't. me. Yeah. You can't. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say you were gonna do one of all your hookups, and then that the reason, would be even more convoluted. What am I gonna do with one line? <laughs> oh well, the reason why no one will do better than Clark is Clark is the same in every parallel universe. Like everybody <laughs> else has like a version, but Clark is just constant. Clark I mean, is I, like, he's like dark side. Clark is. I do find my Rachel Gray to sleep with. Yeah, girl. There, there you go. <laughs> All right. So that's <laughs> been <laughs> our <laughs> Clark <laughs> corner. We're hearing a news flash. Go ahead, <laughs> It's a news flash. Okay. So uh, the follow-up to the late John Lewis's graphic novel series, March, um, which is going to be titled Run Book One, has gotten a new release date for August 2020. It was supposed to come out in August 2018, um, but it's supposed to detail the life of uh, John Lewis after the passage of the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Um, sadly, there's been a change in the artist from Afua uh, Richardson, who, uh, apologies if I mispronounced the name, she worked um, on Black Panther, World of Wakanda, and HBO's Lovecraft Country. I really like her art, so I'm sad to see her go. But they are um, is going to have El Fury, who has done work on the web comic series Bastard Comics, which is pretty funny. I like the style a lot. What do you guys think, Caitlin? Uh, one, I just love that the uh, sequel is called Run because it has so many multiple like definitions. Clearly, a se- like you know, uh, being tied to March, and then also the fact that John Lewis ran for office. I think is it's just a very very smart subtitle or title itself, I should say. Um, In other delay news, um, so like every other production, Sony had to delay the release of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, several times. Um, So it's pushed to September 24th. They moved it back a week because um, uh, Black Widow has been moved and so did a few other movies um, to uh, take over that kind of time slot. So they like, shifted uh not really exciting but are you guys just like you know you're just chomping at the bit to see that woody harrelson as carnage right <laughs> dying dying for it uh, i just hope they're making it better in this time 
just changing a few things. I think little tweaks might help this film because I don't think it's going to be wonderful, honestly. But that's just me projecting on something I don't know quite yet. But <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Clark? Clark. I, I feel like, it, in my mind, this movie hasn't started filming yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jared Leto is still promoting it and he's like, I'm not in that one. He has no idea. Yeah. Ryan, he's getting all that Joker money, those royalties from Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's like that one little scene at the end, breaking it in. I love how on the nose the title is. Why? Why try, you know? You, you, with, why pretend like you have writers? You guys just slap this movie together. Um, yeah. So this is the news I really want to talk about. Um, so two Warner Media projects have been put on us. Uh, one is Ava DuVernay's New Gods. And then the other was a spinoff to Aquaman called The Trench, which would have possibly been helmed by James Wan, who directed the original rock Aquaman. I want to talk about the bullshit around this because the trench was put on hold because the studio wants to focus more on Aquaman 2 which is like okay I don't it made a lot of money for them but it fucking sucks so why do it New Gods which would have focused on the war between New Genesis and Apocalypse was stopped because Darkseid made an appearance in Zack Snyder's Justice League and they wanted to keep the ideas for the French each franchise separate um, it's fucking bullshit because the studio basically told Zack Snyder a list of like 80 things to not do. Don't include Green Lantern. Don't include Dark Side visually. Uh, please don't do reshoots. And he's like, you know what? Whatever. Don't do the Superman in the black uniform. Um, and he just kind of said, well, fuck you. The fans want this. And it's kind of dicked over what I think could have been a more interesting story. Kaylin, what are your thoughts? I'm so with you. I'm so angry, specifically about Ava DuVernay and the New Gods. James Wan, The Trench. I actually forgot all that was even happening. But I was so excited for Ava DuVernay's thing. And here's the thing that really kills me. Yeah, the studio told Zack Snyder not to do it. Zack did whatever he wanted to. The studio still decided to release it. And also, Warner has 50 different versions of Superman, 50 different versions of Batman, 50 different versions of the Joker, as we just talked about. Why couldn't you have like at least two versions of Darkseid? And the thing that kills me is Ava was, and we're on a first name basis. She calls me up every day. Uh, Ava wanted to focus her storyline based on the amazing Tom King and Mitch Gerard miniseries, Mr. Miracle, which gave a human face and a human touch to this otherworldly mythological um storyline and like we're not going to see that now now we have to like settle for Snyder's shitty vision I'm just super angry about that Clark I mean I'm the same way it's fucking infuriating obviously because I hated that movie and we all did um I mean Darkseid is tainted forever now they can't use him because the um Zack Snyder bros will get mad that he's not working on him so they just he's done straight up finished I don't think they could use any, if, if they're going to use any of those characters, they can't do any, you know, anything with him. Right. And that's kind of important to have a, you know, new God's story. Yeah, sure. Right. 
it's it's just so it's so sad because the things that are I was enjoying is Zack Snyder can do his own universe and that's okay. Like there's super fans out there and both can pre both can coexist without it uh, cannibalizing each other. Like it, it doesn't make sense why we can't get some other projects within it. They don't have a major creative person within this world. So let them just do what they want within the movies. I really dig the other DC movies. Like some of them are really good. So it's, it's, it's really disheartening to see that they just with Snyder cut becoming so successful and I'm not saying it's directly related to that, but they're probably keeping a watchful eye to that where they're not worried about this stuff now, which is it's 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 just sad because there's more creative juices out there that doesn't have to be through a terrible lens, quite literally, Zack Snyder. Like it's awful. Grant, Brent. Um so uh, the trench was going to be based off of the kind of one interesting part of the Aquaman movie, and it was going to focus on a more horror element that I thought would have been interesting and could have fit better maybe in Aquaman than it did as just kind of a overlapping structure for the Justice League. But there's one other layer of bullshit that really concerns me, which is because of the level of support for something like releasing the Snyder Cut, the studio has said, we're putting these projects on hold. They are not necessarily canceled forever, you could interpret that as, yeah, they actually are canceled, but they want to be positive about it. Or that they are trying to continually build an audience that demands for specific movies to be made, and uh-huh. they won't do it unless that audience you know, support, uh, that kind of uh, voraciousness exists. And I so do not like well that said. idea as like a creating a, a particular kind of fan base because it, it kills projects that might be interesting and different that push the genre in unique ways. Okay, right. You're, you're, you're talking, it's populism. Populism is problematic. It's problematic in our politics. It's po- problematic in our culture. It's problematic in our pop culture, you know? And so you have a multi-billion dollar company, a multi-billion dollar studio that's beholden to a very vocal minority of a fan base who will, you know, dox individuals, go after them on social media, do shitty things. Whereas like, you know, I would say quote unquote more normal or well-adjusted fans are just like, we just want to see this. This could be really cool. It may not be great, but like, let's, let's have some other creative voices out there tell these stories. And we, in the DC universe, there is a goddamn omniverse. It's not just a multiverse. It's a multiverse of multiverse. That's the ability that's for the comics themselves to be able to tell stories with characters that don't necessarily have to fit within one another. Why not have the movies, the TV shows, the animated series all do that? Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so angry. All right, and our last bit of news. Uh, so DC is trying to get people to decide between 16 titles in a March Madness type bracket to see which they should publish because apparently their only model is populism now. Viva la <laughs> revolution. Uh, so there will be four rounds of voting which you can do on the DC Universe Infinite platform. Um, The first has already started um, and it ends April 7th. Kind of interestingly, uh, they're only allowing people to vote on concepts right now. And then in the second round, which starts on April 8th, they're going to let us know who the creators are. Um, Some of the titles include The Brave and the Bug, Crisis on Infinite Ambush, uh, Justice League Queer, uh, Asteria, The Last Amazon, uh, Swamp Thing, A House of Secrets, uh, are there any of these that excite you guys? Uh, what do you think of this model as far as comics goes? 
Caitlin. So the comics themselves sound interesting enough that I would read at least one issue of everything. And if DC really wanted to do this, they would have published the first issue mm-hmm. uh, and say, here's, here's something we're going to put these two up and then it'll be like, then we're going to publish what the next one's going to be. It'll take a few months. Like that's so much more. Asking us to vote on concepts is weird and it's kind of problematic and I got really angry at the fact that Justice League Queer, which is, you know, we need more representation, LGBTQ representation in, in pop culture and comics especially, is going up against Robins. And I looked at the vote on Twitter and it was slightly losing. I don't know what it is today, but this is like yesterday. And it just feels, it just feels, it made me feel very icky, very gross. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know why, why DC decided to do this. Or maybe I do know because they're, run by a bunch of not like idiots, but uh, annoyed. Ryan? That's not how you write. That's not how you write. You don't just go, which one do you like of this? Okay, well, okay, we'll do that then. That's not, that's not writing a story. That is literally just being like, okay, guys, does anyone have an idea? It's, it's a bad improv sketch is what it is. And it's awful. Like no one should watch. It's so awful. But yeah. like with that all said, all these ideas sound cool if they were fleshed out and there was writers attached to them and maybe artists as well. Like they could all thrive by themselves if they had their own unique thing. And they DC is just looking so desperate right now. It is sad. And stop going down that path. Like you're a multiverse, you're an omniverse of multiverses. Just fucking do your own shit. It's so and so infuriating. Brent. Quick. Way to way to abdicate editorial responsibility by just saying we oh. let the people decide. Like I know of so many stories that start with a great premise and then end up being terrible, and so many stories which have a kind of boring premise premise that become really amazing. And not having the discretion to say which should be the ones that you produce and publish is really fucking lazy, Clark. You know those memes on Facebook where it's like the first letter of your first name and then your date of birth, so like the month and then the year or something? Half of these titles seem like they were made in that rubric. Like fucking (laughs) Candy Holiday Hero Incorporated sounds so stupid. That's the one I want to win because obviously it won't win. But every single one of these sounds incredibly dumb but interesting at the same time. Hang on. I just remember this. We shouldn't be surprised that DC did this because in the late 80s, they had a, set up a 1-900 number about whether Jason Todd Robin should die or not. So they leave it up. They leave it up to the readers to do this. And it's just, it's kind of, ugh, I don't know. Um, I hope feels some good icky. titles come out of it. It feels, yeah, icky is the right word. It feels, makes me feel gross. I hope some good stuff comes out of it. I hope we get some uh, new talent, some new diverse talent to be able to tell these stories. Uh, because DC, I do love it. I love the weirdness of the universe when done right. Uh, but man, they they really kind of screwed the pooch here. Oh, no pun intended, because I was about to talk about the fact that I thought when I read it, pause off the Justice League, I thought Paw Patrol was going to be in the <laughs> universe when I first read it. I was like, I'll go for that one. That one sounds so stupid. I'm into it. There you go. All right. So uh, that's been our episode. You can find us on Twitter at X. And Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Be sure to check out our Class X episode, Who is Isaiah Bradley? We've been Homo Superior, and we think we're all somewhere on the Summers family tree, man. Bye. Bye.